Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Miller, and we will be continuing our run through every team in every division in both conferences in the NFL uh, this upcoming Thursday. But we do want to take a quick pause because college football week zero starts this Saturday. We got five games five August games, five scheduled games that are happening in the COVID era that knock on wood, they're not being rescheduled. They're not being canceled. We got some big name teams going. Speaking of big names, the Action Network made a massive, massive hire last week. We brought in quite possibly the most respected capital J journalist in all of college football. And the first thing he did was break a story about Nebraska. I'm talking about America's college football insider, Mr. Brett McMurphy. And he's going to come on the show in a few minutes. We're going to talk about a little bit about the situation in Nebraska and the story he broke last week. And then today, it's Tuesday, it's Tuesday afternoon right now, today on actionnetwork.com and in the Action Network app. He put out a piece that he'll be updating throughout the year, um, every single week. He is a master at projecting uh Bowl scenarios. And so his first piece for projecting bowl scenarios came out today. We're going to run through that. He's got a prediction for the college football national championship. We've got point spreads for all those games. It's going to be fascinating. We're going to talk about that. First, of course, I'm going to bring in my BFF, my companion, Mr. Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Uh, this is the best time of year. Like you just said, college football starts next week. That just makes it fly by too, right? For me till the NFL starts. But yeah, the fans are happy. All my clients are happy. Had another undefeated weekend giving out picks on the action app. Um, life is good, man. Can't free can't action miss right app. Download it. Follow Simon, Simon Hunter's picks. Yeah, um, up, up a thousand followers in just two weeks on that app. That's how good I've been doing. Man, you, you know what you are. Talk to me. You're a gift. You're a gift <laughs> to all of us. And you're a professional. Like, I wish, I wish everybody who we hired, and I'm not saying this for Ben McMurphy's benefit because he is a fucking pro. I wish everyone we hired came in and was like as thoughtful about promotion of the product, about 
commitment about how they drive value. Because Simon, you are a goddamn gift. I try, Chad. And I try to explain to the fans here, if um, you're betting $100 on my bets and you're betting $100 on your, your random picks that you think are smart, you're either an idiot or you're a narcissist. Stop betting the same amount of my bets as you bet on your own bets. You don't know what you're doing. Listen to your professionals. Listen to our advice. Bet more on my picks than your own picks. I don't know. It's I've had plenty of people hit me up. They're like, hey, how good do you feel about this bet? And it's like, if I put it in the app, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I don't just put it in there just to put it in there. Again, someone reached out to me, Chad. They said, no more unit talk because Chad said so. <laughs> I don't listen to Chad. Who are these people? From now on, I'm a units guy from now on. So I don't oh know my God. talking in dollar amounts, only in units. Listen, Simon, I think you know there is no bigger narcissist on this podcast than me. And <laughs> I won't even make bets that you don't make. Chad Millman is proud of himself. My man. That's it. That's all there is to it. We do have a lot of NFL stuff to talk about. The one thing I do want to say, there are there are very early rumblings because Matt Nagy has said that Andy Dalton will be on a short lease. Dude, I'm not even talking about the second game of the preseason for the Bears. I'm not talking about Mitch Trubisky. The only thing that matters is that in game one, Justin Fields was brilliant. And I don't care that there was now a meme of him getting his head blown off that says, I thought the game really slowed down for me and that you were making fun of that. It doesn't matter. Justin Fields, Chicago Bears. This is our guy, most consequential draft pick in my 50-year lifetime. I'm a nice guy. I don't even touch the Mitch thing because I already know. I mean, that all Bear fans must have just been sitting there and saying, oh, my God. If you just surround Mitch with a competent coaching staff, he might actually be pretty good. So that that as a Bears fan was truly a smack Dude, in the face. I'm not even telling you. I'm not even telling you. So <laughs> uh, on Saturday, I I went to the, uh, as you guys know, uh, after the podcast on Thursday, I went to the city. I was there all day. I was there Thursday night, Friday. And then Friday night, my older son, who's going to college in a couple of weeks, met me in the city. We had dinner together, walked around the village. It was beautiful. Great night. Got to spend 24 hours, you know, father-son time. Loved every second of it. Saturday during the day, we're running around the city all day. So I'm not watching the Bears game. And every two minutes, my buddy Matt, whose kid who we visited in California, whose kid I was I was going toe-to-toe with about Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Um, no joke. Matt is calling me as we speak right now. How weird is that? Uh, he was texting me every two seconds. Can we fire a coach midway through the second game of preseason? Because that's how disgusting, disgusted I am by Matt Nagy right now. No, it's a hard life. I love, too, that me and you predicted about four months ago that no matter what, Andy Dalton's going to start week one. And I think Nagy just came out and said, no matter what, Andy Dalton's starting week one. So it, it's crazy how simple and basic that they are really keeping it over there. But again, well, we'll see. I have high hopes, like as you do, for Justin Fields' upcoming season. So, You know what else I have high hopes for? The level of journalism the quality of journalism at the Action Network has been raised. Because when we, when we got on the call and you saw Brett McMurphy, you said, it's an honor to have a professional on this podcast. Essentially, that's what you said. <laughs> Essentially. Much. Brett, you're a journalistic sensation. How does that make you feel? Hold on. I'm adding Simon to follow on my Action app as we speak. Oh, sorry. There we go. 
Good job. Congrats uh, on early retirement, Brett. It's the smartest movie <laughs> I've ever made. Chad, I'm turning in my two weeks notice. Uh, I am super pumped, man. I'm so excited. You know, I've only been here a short week and just everybody I've dealt with has been incredible. Still trying to figure my way around, uh, around this place, but love it. And so excited. And as I, as I told you, um, you know, in the past few weeks, I think action is a rocket ship and I'm glad to be a part of it. We are a freaking rocket ship. You are the fuel that is going to drive us into the next universe. You come on last week, 48 hours after starting, you break the story about Scott Frost and Nebraska. I love that as soon as you broke it, we had three or four stories breaking down the betting implications for Nebraska this season. It's now been a week since the story broke. Tell us the latest on what's happening with Nebraska, what's happening with Scott Frost, what's happening with the investigation, and what the repercussions may be. Yeah, Chad. Well, the investigation continues. There's been no resolution of it. That, you know, with the NCA, one thing I've learned is never to predict what you think the outcome will be or how long it will take. So this thing could be resolved tomorrow. It could be resolved at the end of the year. And then ultimately we'll see what the penalties are. Look, I don't think the, the allegations are that serious. I don't think the penalties are going to be that severe. You may see Frost suspended a game or two possibly when they do finally finalize their findings. However, I think big picture, you look at it this way. Scott Frost was already on the hot seat entering this year. He's the first coach in 60 years with three consecutive losing seasons at Nebraska. In March, I reported, broke the news that Frost and Nebraska were trying to get out of the OU game, which is unheard of. It's the 50th anniversary of the 1971 game of the century. Number one, Nebraska, number two, OU. They tried to get out of that game to play a home game against a group of five team. Add to that, you've got a new athletic director in Trev Alberts. So now you've got the NCAA investigation. So now if Nebraska wants to make a move after the season, they don't even have to reference the losing. They don't even have to reference the Oklahoma debacle. They can, they can roll the NCAA allegations out there to be the easy way out. But Scott Frost went from being on the hot seat in college football to now I think he is on the hottest seat in college football. And it's funny to call a fir- <laughs> the first game of the year a must win. But that's a must-win game against Illinois. They cannot lose that game to Illinois because I think then everything is just going to snowball and it's going to be impossible for Frost to dig out of that. I'm always a little bummed and call me sentimental. I'm always a little bummed when the college hero goes back to his school and it ju- it fails miserably. I am a huge fan of the romanticism of people going back to where they're from, having great success, being there for as long as they want. It's sort of blossoming into this magnificent love affair that goes on for 50 years. Is anyone else as sentimental as me? Simon, do you, do you get the feels from those potential stories? I don't at all, Chad. That's what makes you so unique. It's true. Brett, do you get the feels? Can it, can a capital J get the feels? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, if you can, you know, look at freezing cold takes Twitter account right now, and I'm sure you can find me and probably another 50 other journalists that thought this was a great, great hire. I mean, he went, turned around UCF's program. He went 13 and 0 at UCF. Um, The favorite son comes home to Nebraska. I I thought everyone thought he would be a success there, kind of like Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. But those things don't always work out that way. 
Um, when you are an alum, I think it buys you more time at that university. I think people are, are willing to, to cut you a break, if you will. They're not as uh, eager to pull the trigger and maybe move on. Um, but certainly, I think Frost is getting near the end of that uh, grace period. Well, he's certainly, the honeymoon's definitely over. But, um, you know, now they're to the point of, well, whether he's an alum or not, we've got to turn this thing around. And if he's not the guy to do it, we'll find somebody else. What do you think happened there? What went wrong for him? You know, Chad, it's impossible to point the finger at one specific thing. All I look back on is when Bo Pelini was coaching Nebraska, he told me this uh, when I had a one-on-one interview with him, and it, it really struck with me. And he basically said, look, the challenge for Nebraska is their fan base, which is arguably the greatest in the country, remembers the glory days of the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Well, back then, Nebraska was a handful of teams that were on television every week. So it was easy for them to recruit from California. It was easy for them to get Mike Rozier to leave New Jersey and come to Nebraska. Well, what happened? ESPN happened. Now every team in the country is on TV. You don't have to go across the country to play for a team that's on TV every week. And the other thing is leaving the Big 12. When they left the Big 12, yes, it made sense financially to go to the Big 10, certainly now with what's going on with conference realignment. But you know what it also did? It also cut off the pipeline to Texas. You no longer can recruit the Texas athlete because you're no longer playing the schools from Texas. So you can't go down to Texas and tell mom and dad, hey, your son's going to play in the state two or three times a year in our conference because now you no longer play in Texas. So now they're no longer a national recruiting threat. They can no longer get kids out of the state of Texas, one of the top three states in the country. And what Bo Pelini told me, Brett, this is the hardest university in the country, big time university to recruit to for those reasons. And also because in the state of Nebraska, you simply don't have that many quality division one players. So Chad, I think it's a combination of all those things. And it's, um, it's unfortunate. But again, Nebraska, I think has the greatest fan base in the country and it's hard for them to, to swallow um, the losing that they've gone through in these past, you know, half dozen years. All right. Well, listen, you mentioned ESPN and in your story that was posted today, projecting everything from the national championship game, who's going to be in it throughout sort of basically every single bowl game uh, of which there are 42 (laughs) bowl games. You had a really interesting comment. Simon, I bet you got to take on this too as a sports fan and as a better. You basically noted that the postseason in college football is controlled by ESPN. And explain sort of the construct and how the postseason works today for people who might not really understand it, especially since we're, you know, a couple of years removed from a regular bowl uh, schedule. Right. So I'll try to make this as short as possible, but basically, Last year started the new six-year cycle of all these bowl games and their conference tie-ins. Last year, obviously, COVID, that was everything was tossed to the side. They just want to play as many games as possible. So this basically is the first year of the new cycle. What that means is the previous conference tie-ins for each bowls from tw- before 2019 have now changed. The biggest change that you're referring to is now there are at least 12 bowls that are owned by there actually there's 16 bowls that are owned by ESPN. 12 of those bowl games basically do not have conference affiliations. 
So if you're a fan of the MAC, if you're a fan of the Mountain West, if you're the American Conference USA, whatever, you cannot say with 100% certainty, we are going to the Cure Bowl, for example, because ESPN owns that bowl. And so what they're doing is they are determining when we get to the first Sunday in December, they will announce what two teams from those five group of five conferences will go play in that game. It doesn't matter what conference they're in. And there's 12 of those games that are all intertwined. And basically ESPN has to figure that out based on the number of uh, bowl games per conference. So it's not going to be the old days where you simply could say, well, we know this game's going to be Big 12 versus SEC or ACC versus Pac-12. Now it's basically there's a a pool of conferences for those 12 games owned by ESPN. So that's basically going to be ESPN, the the puppet master. will sit there and determine who goes to those games. Some fan bases will be happy. Some won't be happy. But when you own 16 of the 42 bowl games, that's what you have the power to do. As someone, like, I've never met anyone that breaks news. I've always wondered these questions. There's so many questions I have for people that break news. But I wonder, like, how many phones do you have? Like, I have a phone that... (laughs) I give it out for, you know, I give the chat. That's my regular phone number. And then I have a phone that's like my burner phone, my bat line, which I give out to other professional gamblers and other guys where I always keep two phones on me because if that phone's buzzing, I know that it's like I have to pick up that phone. I was wondering, do do breaking news people the same thing? Like, do you give out certain numbers to certain people because it's like, all right, this is more important information than just my regular phone I use every day? Sorry to disappoint you. I only have, I only have one phone. Uh, it's a landline. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I do just I do just have one phone. But what you say, you know, is kind of my thinking. There, there's literally like five people, five of my sources that I value more than anybody else. Like if they text me right now and said the world is ending, I would be tweeting the world is ending and say, hey, guys, I got to get off this call without confirming it. That's how much I trust these guys. That's how much I know they know. They know what my job is. They're not going to give me bad information. And then, and then below that, you have a, you know, variety, dozens and dozens of sources. They give you all kinds of tips. Some are good, some are bad. Um, and then I follow it that way. But yeah, sorry. Uh, unless Chad will expense it, I'm, I'm just stuck with one phone. Do those five people have a certain ringtone? No, but uh, to, <laughs> to show you a little insight into what I think is comedy, my ringtone is the uh, theme song from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Love it. Simon, by the way, I'm so glad you asked that question because one of the things Brett and I, while we both worked at ESPN, because ESPN like is so sort of strange in how it constructs its organization, even though I oversaw all of digital and that included, you know, most of the people who are doing breaking news on a day-to-day basis, Brett came in through the television side. And so Brett was actually not in my org. So he and I didn't get to know each other very well when we were both at ESPN. And so I really got to know him mostly like in a recruiting process when I was, you know, trying to woo him to come join us at action. And I was struck by the level of intensity about breaking news, about sourcing, like he is passionate about this and manic about this. And so my question is about breaking news. Is it something that makes you nervous every day that you're missing something? Actually, it's weird. It's like, as I get further along in my career, like for instance, the Nebraska story, as I'm getting ready to push the send button and because I know the reaction it's going to have, you know, I, I can't underestimate that. And I'm not trying to, 
make, oh, I'm some big guy or whatever. But I know I know the impact of that. When you're working on these things, you kind of know when you're the only one that has something. There's other times where you know everybody's going to get this within five minutes, so I've got to hurry up. So actually, sometimes I get nervous, like when I'm getting ready to push the button and think, okay, it, it, do I have everything lined up? Is there some, did I triple check this? Did I double check this? Can I, I want to make sure... Because, and I tell, you know, when I speak to young journalists, I tell them this, and it's actually something that John Calipari said something similar. He's like, you know, nobody's going to remember the hundreds of stories I got right. They're going to remember the one you got wrong. And like Calipari said, nobody's going to remember the year we, we went 29-1. They're not going to remember the 29 we won. We're remember the one we lost in the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of how I look at it now. And it's not that I wasn't careful before, but obviously now with the you know, a bigger platform, having been at ESPN, you know, when I was at the Tampa Tribune, I had 3000 followers on Twitter, man, I was so impressed. I was beating my chest 3000, you know, now I'm almost 250,000. That's ridiculous, but I understand. And so I don't want to put stuff out there, you know, well, one, I would never put anything out there that I'm not hundred percent accurate, that it's correct. But as far as nervous, I realize I'm not going to break every story. I realize nobody's going to break a majority of stories. There's a lot of a lot of great journalists out there that do a lot of great work. So if other people beat me, that's fine. A pet peeve of mine, which you didn't bring this up, but I will, and is when somebody breaks a story and other journalists don't credit him. And that's why I do my damnedest that if I report a story that I know someone else had first, I will put Sources Told Action Network first reported by XYZ. Because that little, just that little recognition goes a long way. Now, I'm sure there's times where I mistakenly didn't credit somebody that had somebody first, but I don't, you know, I only follow a thousand people, so I don't see everything that's out there. But if I see somebody had something, I am absolutely going to give them credit because I, I know how it feels being on the other end of that. You know, when I was at the Tampa Tribune and CBS Sports and all that, and would break stuff and ESPN wouldn't credit me. So I certainly would have do my best to be able and, and credit others if, if they happen to break it, because I'm not, I don't have the ego. And one, I'm not dumb enough to think I'm going to break everything. It's simply not going to happen. So what's interesting is ESPN actually did a, a phenomenal job crediting us. They credited us in the alert, yeah. they credited us in uh, on the ticker, like it was all over and kudos to them. And we appreciate it. And I will say Fox Sports took the story and basically <laughs> ran it on their ticker and didn't mention act took the entire story and ran it on their ticker and didn't mention action network that was annoying yeah I, I, that is annoying um i don't know anyone at fox or i would have emailed him but uh there also was i don't want to name the the specific website but there was a website uh that covers college football that basically took my first tweet about scott frost in nebraska and literally copied it word for word except they took out told action network Everything else was the same. And then they tweeted it with a link to their story on their website, which was basically what I reported and they rewrote it. And I sent the guy a text. I'm like, hey, you didn't even attribute it to us. I, we broke it. And he's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. We put it in the story. I'm like, I don't care. You tweeted it and you make it look like you, you broke the story. Can you please correct it? They did delete it and put up a new tweet. But you know, that goes on so often where I don't even, a friend of mine actually texted me and notified me of it. I didn't even see it. So I'm sure that goes on more often than not. But so, look, I'm not going to name names. Some people do a great job crediting others. Others 
won't credit others. That's just their philosophy. I don't know why. So I just try to credit where credit's due. You know what my take is? There are going to be bad actors out there. We're not going to be one of them. I got to follow up for Brett here. When you're going through all these sources, like in my line of work, it's weird. Like I have dudes who give me information I've never even met in my entire life. Like I've never <laughs> even had dinner with these people. And after a couple of times, you realize the information is good. You're getting from them. So that's why you keep trusting them and things like that. Is it the same in media where, um, like, say a guy burns me, I don't cut him off, but I'll definitely, I won't take his information and just run with it anymore. It's one of those things where, like, are there certain people where you have to source with, like, three to four other people before you can even run with it? Because you're just like, okay, this person's burned me before. Because, like you said, it's it's very weird, people's agendas. Um, like, in sports gambling, it's bizarre where groups will give out bad info because they want the line to move against what mm-hmm. they want to bet. So that happens a lot. and. You know, it's one of those things where people know now, but they don't say anything because it's just like, you know, we don't trust that group and the information they're getting. I wonder if it's the same in the media world where people are trying to screw you guys over to just to make their own story better. Uh, yeah, they, they try to, but I'm never going to go if, you know, I get a, an email that says, you know, hey, Michigan's under investigation. I'm not just going to, you know, parrot it and report it right away. Now I'll check and see if it's true, um, whether it's true or not depends on whether I report it but I'm not going to go simply with what somebody tells me. And yeah, if I have an Ohio state fan telling me, Oh, Michigan's under an investigation, I'll take it with a grain of salt because (laughs) I get that a lot. Rivals will try to out their rivals and they actually think, Oh, wow, this guy's just going to report what I send him. So I'll check it out. But yeah, there's other people that I know really well that, that give me info that they're about 50, 50. And then there's some people that are like 75, 25. And then there's some that, maybe you're 5% accurate, but I'll check everything out. And yeah, I'm not, I'm never going to go with anybody, go with anything unless I can confirm it myself. So I guess I, I haven't been burned by that because like I said, the five people I trust with everything have never purposely given me any bad info, but, but no, I get, I check everything out. Cause these days you never know, you never know what's going to happen in this, this story I broke, you know, a couple of years ago when I was laid off from ESPN with, with Zach Smith and the domestic violence going on there and Urban Meyer and, and all that. You know, initially when I got that information, I thought, yeah, this there's no way no one knows anything about this. This kid kid coached at Florida, he's at Ohio State. This there's no way it's true. And then I kept looking into it, found out it was true, and then proceeded to break that. So it's weird, you know, you do have a lot of sources, but it's weird. You get so much information from you just if you just talk to people, I'm sure with you with with you know gambling and and trying to get information, the more you talk to people and you just have conversations, they may offer something up that you weren't even talking to them about. And that's that's happened to me with uh, Penn State when they were fined $30 million back with the Sandusky stuff by the NCAA. I was actually talking to someone trying to, ironically enough, trying to find out what teams were going to be going to specific bowl games. And this person, as we're talking, said, wow, can you believe what about Penn State. And of course I said, I had no idea what he's talking about. And I said, oh, I know. Can you believe that? That's crazy. So I go, what um, what did you what did you hear exactly? Because I, I was heard a bunch of different things there. Oh, they were fined $30 million or 60 million, whatever the number was. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I heard. That that's unreal, man. Well, hey, have a good day. Thanks. I'm like, holy crap. So then I I followed through, confirmed it, whatever. I broke it. I was with CBS Sports back then. But yeah, so I'm talking to this this guy about bowl bowl games and who's going to go to the, you know, 
international bowl or whoever the bowl is probably def- defunct right now doesn't exist and the guy ends up oh by the way just dropping this huge massive scoop uh you know 24 hours before it was released so you never know where it's going to come from but i'm always going to check it out and confirm it before i ever put it out there the good old blockbuster bowl rest in peace rest in peace yeah had like you know what's interesting there's there's becoming very little distinction between how Simon approaches sports and information and then shares it on platforms like this podcast or on Action Network and how Brett approaches sports and information and shares it on Action Network. You know, Simon has come on the podcast, talked about sources, talked about having information. Um, it was it was highlighted during the draft where 48 hours before the drafts when everyone thought Mac Jones was going to go number three, all of a sudden there were rumors largely in the gambling space that he wasn't going to go number three. And Simon was ahead of that, talked about it, talked about the sources that he knew to get that. There's distinction without much difference between gamblers getting information and activating on it and, you know, reporters and journalists like Brett activating on it. I uh, saw that with COVID though, too. Like you didn't mention COVID last season. Where, like he said, he needs to vent these things. He needs to go through three or four people to confirm these stories. So Schefter might have known that Denver. I remember Denver had that that COVID case. I texted you, I think, on the Friday or maybe it was a Thursday. And then the, the whole thing came out on a Saturday. Schefter probably had the same info I did. Like he's in tune with Denver, but he can't put it out there because there's a bunch of little things he has to go through before he can put that information out there. Whereas we're, I'm a nobody. I'm a sports better. We run with this information. If we're getting information and it's vented where it's like, okay, a guy on Denver's team, the, who knows who it is, could have been the quarterback's coach or someone like that. They were the first ones to leak to, to, leak to a friend who leaked to another person. I leaked it out that the whole quarterback room of Denver Broncos had COVID. So that's, again, one of these things where Brett has to do these things where as to vent these things, whereas a, as a professional gambler, we put our money in first and then we vent because you know that like you, you can't miss those opportunities. So Brett, if he's a sports better, I'm sure he puts a bet in before he breaks the news. I mean, that's just – I've even heard Schefter talk about it. He He does things in fantasy football. He'll pick guys up before he tweets out that so-and-so is hurt. So make no mistake, people. We use this information to benefit ourselves before we give it out to the masses. I don't know how I feel about you saying that. <laughs> well, well, you I broke the Trey, the Trey Lance news live with you, buddy. I mean, that's you true. cost me yeah. – uh, I think you cost me about $40,000. So <laughs> – don't, don't, don't think I don't give you the good stuff. Uh, I gave it to you at plus 300. By the time I got to Atlantic City, it was plus 150. So I love that I help you out do these things with you. But it's also crazy the pull that Action Network has, that information traveled that fast. We did one live video of me on the side of the highway on uh, the Atlantic City Expressway. The line moved by plus 150. So again, I love this job, but it's also interesting seeing that live, like that happen in real time. That was pretty pretty crazy to experience. Hey, so Simon, so one one way, one thing I would counter with what you just said, and you're right, there are some similarities as far as, you know, from me and Schefter's point of view, if we put something out there and it's wrong, we can't take it back. If you put in a, if you put in a bet and then you find out, oh, the guy's, the guy is going to play or the guy isn't playing the opposite of your information, you can come back on the other side. It's going to offset it a little bit and it's not going to destroy your reputation. That's what uh, I told about the, about the wording for reporters. You guys put these certain words in these reports. Uh, that it kind of gives you the leg out, you know. Some guys, do, yeah, some guys do, and, and yeah, and I, I hate the people that do the 
and I'm probably, I'm sure I'm guilty of doing this, but they said, you know, it, it expected to maybe, you know, just come out and say, you don't know, but some people <laughs> just want to be first and just say, you know, instead of saying, look, this is going to happen on Tuesday. Well, this may happen on next week or whatever. In fact, I love it when reporters come out and say, hey, this may happen next week. This guy may be out or whatever, because you're saying you don't know. What does that do? It tells me to go find out if they're definitely going to play or not, or if that coach is going to get fired, or if that meeting's going to happen, whatever it is. So no one's going to remember that last week that you said something may happen. They will remember if you're the one that reported and said it did happen based on whatever the information is. I right now, uh, obviously, we are recording this podcast on a Zoom. I am staring at Brett McMurphy. I am staring at Simon Hunter. And I swear to God, I am seeing the future of sports media. Literally this very second. This is the confluence of all the forces coming together at one time. It's starting here right now, this week with this podcast. Welcome to it. This is the beginning of the next phase. Chad, one of my five guys just texted me. The world's going to end in two hours. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> this will be short lived. We got to go. We got to go. go. It was a good run. All right. I do have I do have a bone to pick with you right now because you're predicting in the college football playoff national championship. I do want to yes. go through some of these things. Ohio State and Alabama. Those are it's a terrible projection. Tell me why you're thinking that, because I think it's probably going to be Georgia and Oklahoma. OK, so this is what I'm basing it on is I believe Alabama. I know all the losses they've had. I understand that it happens every year. Uh, I'm not going to bet against Nick Saban. Yeah, Bill O'Brien's a new offensive coordinator. Bryce Young's a new quarterback. I've seen this movie before. Until somebody beats Alabama, I'm keeping them up there. Too many times I've tried to be cute. I want to be, oh, I want to be the guy that picks against Alabama. I have egg on my face. I'm sticking with Alabama. I look at Ohio State. I think they are the – I think they're the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. I think with that early non-conference game against Oregon, I think that gives them additional strength of schedule. And I, my other two semifinal teams actually are Georgia and Oklahoma. So I think Oklahoma will run the table in the Big 12. I think Georgia upsets Clemson. Uh, you don't even, Simon, you don't even need the three. Take the money line. I like Georgia over Clemson. And then I think Georgia takes care of business, but then they lose in the SEC title game. I think a 12 and one Georgia gets into the national title game because Clemson losing that first game, they don't have the strength of schedule to get back into the top four. And the Pac-12, I think is maybe the overall the strongest top to bottom conference. The problem is they don't have an elite squad. They're going to beat each other up. So uh, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, I think Alabama and Ohio State, look, I, you know, I hate it's the same teams, but until somebody can beat them, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go a different way. You don't even have Clemson playing in a New Year's Day bowl. Yes, I do. That's a, they're, they're not in the Peach Bowl. They're in the Peach Bowl, but it's the, it's the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl on December 30th. Right. That's the, that's one of the new year six. It's they move the dates around for those other non semifinal games. So I'm guessing that's like the 8 PM game then. Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but yeah, I'm sure it is. 
but it's basically this year the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl have the semifinal games. Okay, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl get their conference tie-ins with the Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12, and SEC. Those games have to be played on January 1st, Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl, even though they're not the semis. So that, that means they move the Peach and the Fiesta off of the first, and they move the semifinals off, off of the first. Got it. So All I, right. do have, I do have Clemson in the Peach Bowl against uh, Oregon, who I think will win the Pac-12. Yeah, it's interesting that you say the Pac-12 is the strongest top to bottom because every year that's the conference that feels like it. it's going to fade. They, I mean, you look there's again, it's the preseason top twenty-five. Take it with a grain, grain of salt. They've got five teams in the top twenty-five, and I think they're all deserving. And I think all five of them can win the conference. That's the good news. The bad news is. Um, Depth of your conference does not earn you a bid to the college football playoff. So, you know, the SEC, I think, has has four or five in the top 25. But how many teams realistically can win the SEC this year? Probably two, maybe two and a half or three. How many teams can win the Big Ten? Maybe Ohio State and maybe somebody else who gets hot. Who can win the Big 12? Maybe Oklahoma, obviously, maybe Iowa State. So that's the big difference with the Pac-12, and that's been their problem, is that they are they are so they're so good and so solid, but they're going to beat each other up. They're going to end up with two or three losses, and you cannot get in the playoff that way. And look, I look back at the past seven years of the college football playoff. There was one year, if we would have had a 12-team playoff, the SEC would have only got one team in a 12-team playoff. It just happened to be Alabama who won the national title that year. So nobody remembers the SEC only had one team in the final top 12. They remember the SEC won the national title that year. And so that's what everyone judges the Pac-12 on unfairly, I think, is they haven't been to the playoff. They haven't won a playoff. Man, these guys suck. When actually, if you had a challenge between the conferences and went with their top against the other and ranked them and went down – I think the Pac-12 would hold their own with, with any conference in the country. And now, a word from our friends at FanDuel. One of the things I love about betting on football is that I'm always finding new player or game props that I like. And that's what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is I can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Right now on FanDuel, I'm getting in my final NFL and college football futures. I'll definitely start combining my straight bets with NFL player props now that our player projection kingpins, Sean Corner and Chris Raybon, are in full swing. And after talking with Brett, I'm betting Nebraska under six wins at even money. At FanDuel, I like how easy it is to deposit and find my bets. And I love how easy their live betting markets are. And there's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet. So lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today to create a same-game parlay and use promo code FAVORITES at sign up. New users get their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. That is promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. 
You must be 21 and over and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Virginia, Colorado, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Now, let's get back to the show. This is a little out there question, but I just think it's so interesting in football where we see dynasties eventually fall apart and turn into nothing. So we saw Miami have that great run. They fell back to nothing. We saw it happen with Florida State. I mean, even Bama before Nick Saban, they were kind of a nothing organization. It feels like we've had a run here where it's just Oklahoma, Ohio State, (laughs) Alabama, Clemson. Is Clemson that team? Is Clemson about to fall off? Because it it reeks one of the things where this, this power alignment, all these teams shifting, all these different groups. And Clemson, you know, they're the big dogs in the ACC, so I get why they're staying there. But is that the next team that's going to fall off like the Miami did and Florida State did? You know, I don't think, Simon, I don't think they're going to fall off to the extreme that Miami and Florida State did. I still think they're, they're the class of the ACC. But, but you wonder, you know, look, Dabo Sweeney's done an incredible job there. I mean, it's, it's gotten to the point where three or four years ago, everybody said he would be the successor to Nick Saban, Dabo would go back to Alabama, to now the, the, nobody thinks that. They're like, why does he get to go to Alabama? He can do what he needs to do at Clemson. Um, but you wonder how long he can keep that, keep that going. I believe uh, last year was the first year, it ended a streak of seven consecutive years where Clemson had finished the season ranked higher than they were in the preseason AP poll. And that included one year where they started out at number two. So it's been remarkable what Clemson has done there. You wonder with conference realignment, with the SEC getting stronger, obviously there's a larger degree of difficulty with Oklahoma moving to the SEC. Um, I don't think you're going to see them as dominant as they've been, as they were in the Big 12. So, But I don't necessarily think they're going to fall off a cliff Look, Alabama's until Nick Saban um, retires, and even then, that'll be 20 years from now. Even when they do, I'm sure they'll have a computer program developed by then that will just mimic Saban till the end of time, and Alabama win the next 50 national titles. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, Ohio State with Ryan Day, great young coach, unless he moves to the NFL. Um, I don't see them going anywhere. So of those four, Simon – I would agree that probably Clemson's the one. But again, look, everyone complains about this. I don't like that we have the same matchups. Chad just did my bold projections. It's the same four teams. But look, there's one way to change that, and that's to beat those teams. Nobody's figured out how to beat them yet. Simon, I feel like you're asking better questions on this podcast than I am. I'm I'm just more interested in what Brett does. I like – not that I want that job because I can't imagine the stress. Like, I'm a nobody. So for me to break news, like you said, it's nothing to me. But for you, I, I couldn't imagine it. So that's what I'm just so intrigued because, like, your first story, I read that. And I was like, holy shit, man. This is, like, real, real stories being broken here. So it's just so cool <laughs> to be able to talk to you and ask you these kind of questions. All right. Let me ask you one last question. Let me ask you one last question. Yeah. Uh, in the bowl projections, which one was the hardest projection to make? And why? It's actually the the who's going to the semifinal, Chad, because who you put put in the semifinal impacts everything below it. 
So when I don't have Clemson in the semifinal, then it impacts, you know, where they go. If I have Clemson in the semifinal, that totally changes the, the other New Year's Six games. And so it, it starts at the top. There's really not one that's harder than the other. What makes it very difficult, and I actually, I actually looked this up, um, the, not including last year, which was COVID, so the bowl system was screwed up. The previous three years, I actually kept track of this for some sick reason. My final bowl projections, which will run Sunday morning before they're announced Sunday afternoon, I've hit 75% of the teams in the bowl, exact bowl that they got a bid to. Believe me, week one out of the gate is not 75%, but when we get to the end, I have a better idea. What's going to make it difficult, which I talked about a little earlier, is these 12 bowl games where I can't say, oh, I know a team from the American is going in in that game and they're going to play Conference USA. I no longer know that. All I know is it's going to be one of five conferences. So that that will be literally impossible to peg because once you miss, you know, unlike a test, once you miss one, it impacts the rest of your picks because then it's a domino effect. If, If the one up top's wrong, then a lot of them down below are wrong. Well, listen, everybody can keep track of this every single week on actionnetwork.com in the Action Network app. Follow Brett on Twitter. We will all be sharing it. We will be updating along with a bevy of other stories related to uh, the AP Top 25, Action Network Power Ratings. You will be able to listen to Brett on the Big Bets on Campus podcast. He'll be doing a podcast specifically with Colin Wilson every single week. Uh, He'll be on our Big Bets on Campus live pregame show on Saturday mornings. That will start a week from Saturday. Uh, We have a whole host of content around college football. Brett McMurphy, Stucky, Colin Wilson. Brett, we couldn't be happier they're here. I I think Simon expressed it better than anybody. Welcome to the Action Network. Thanks. I really appreciate it. And for those folks that don't like my bowl projections, I have good news. They'll be different next week. Check them out then. 100%. All right. For Brett McMurphy, for Simon Hunter, I am Chad Millman. This has been the favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. We will be back on Thursday. Oh, big show on Thursday, right? We're finally doing the AFC South preview. We got Darius Butler, former NFL player, coming on. Uh... We'll talk to you then. Download the podcast from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, love you. Love you.